At some point, we've all run away from problems, but in the case of our guest today, he was running literally towards a new identity. Tof Evans is an ultra-marathon runner. He's a keynote speaker, and now he is an author, and today we're going to talk about his story, the crucial pivots that got him to where he is today, on episode 19 of Off the Floor. What happens when you combine business, pop culture, and at least five analogies to ballroom dancing? You get Off the Floor, a podcast to help you get to that next step in your career or your tango. Here's our host, Chris Lynham. I haven't hung out on LinkedIn very often, but as soon as I got on there, I saw you all over the place. And just from the sheer athletic background and some of these races and things like that you've done, and then for these charitable causes, I think it just speaks so much to just stuff that I'm really interested in. And I always feel like I want to find a guest that I just want to learn from myself. And then I just know that it's going to be beneficial to our audience. So I want to introduce to the Off the Floor audience, Toph Evans. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. So how would you describe, like, if there was, like, an elevator pitch for what you do, what would it be? Yeah, sure. So I help people be mentally stronger. That's to put it in five words or less. Um, <laughs> but essentially, I'm there to build resilience back into our personal lives and then out to our work lives, usually towards like the entrepreneurial people um, and usually anyone that's working up a ladder, so entrepreneurial too, um, just because these are people that deal with especially high stressful situations. And for myself, I was someone that really lacked in resilience, um, used to struggle really badly with mental health. And it wasn't until I really focused on my health and like essentially uh, endurance and gratitude really solidified the foundation of what I'm about. And I'm here to teach that to others. I'm not going to tell you how to run a hundred miles or anything like that, but there are so many core principles that people can take on um, to their daily lives. And that's what I'm here for. That is so cool. How does it feel to be in like associated with a sport that maybe is not as popular as some of the sports that are out there? Yeah, it's it's so true because the other sport I feel that's kind of emerging at the same time is obstacle course racing. Now, there's a lot of money in obstacle course racing. There really isn't in ultra running. But ultra running, I feel, has been pioneered over the last 10 years. It's becoming like a bit of a buzzword these days. Like I was, I was listening to a, an interview with Joe Rogan and Jesse Itzler. So Jesse Itzler is the spouse of Sarah Blakely, the billionaire that started Spanx. Mm. And he's known as the 100-mile man. And oh. At the time when he did it, there was maybe a few hundred people in the states that had only ever done one. Now it's it's quite prevalent. Like I've done I've done a few myself. Um, it's it's becoming more of a bigger sport. But here's the crazy thing, dude. I've I've realized a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people that are ultra running are running from their demons of some sort. Ironically, mm. um, I also feel it's. Um, <laughs> The average age has got to be in the 30, 40s, right? I'm, I'm, I'm still a toddler compared to a lot of. Now I'm not trying to compare myself, but like, <laughs> in age limit, I'm like a toddler compared to the other ultra runners, and I feel it's because of a lot of midlife crises, right? Sure. And or, or midlife awakenings, as Brene Brown says. <laughs> so it, it's but yeah, at the end of the day, man, like it's it's just one awesome community, right? Everyone's out there to help each other out. It's a very strong empathy and compassion. Uh, kind of community because when you're at, sometimes you're out there for 24 hours at a time 
and you are dealing with mental blocks after mental blocks after mental blocks. No one wants to, you to go through the same pain. So they're kind of there for each other. And that's the beautiful thing I found with the um, ultra running community as well as or even just ultra endurance. For the people that aren't familiar with it, like how would you describe like the difference between, let's say, like a standard marathon and ultra running, just so we're, we're super clear? Um, an ultra marathon is anything further than the marathon distance. An average ultra is usually about 31 miles. That's like the stock standard, usually like a good one for your first one. Here's the crazy thing, right? Someone was smart enough to turn the marathon into a business model. You know what? They're like, you know what? We can make people pay to torture themselves. <laughs> like marathon originally started. There's a reason why it's 26 miles or 42K, 42.2 if I want to be really exact. But it happened from Pheidippides back in Greek history, right? He was the messenger and he ran to Marathon. Marathon is a city in Greece. That's where it started, originated. And then someone smart enough that goes, we should have ultra marathons. Yeah. And it, there is no limit, right? The marathon used to be the biggest thing. Then it used to be 50Ks. Then it used to be 50 milers. Then it used to be 100 milers for a while. Now there's a hashtag that's called 200 is the new 100 because there's 200 milers. Oh and God. now it's like, then it's going to be 500 miles. There already are 500 mile races. And then there's 1,000 mile races and that. Soon, 500, it's like, when do we stop? I don't think we don't ever do because we're human beings and we love breaking limits. Um, so it, it's kind of fascinating how it's become this new awesome philosophy. And for me, it's just become like a massive part of my life. Yeah, man, that is, that's awesome. I think it'll stop once they suggest that you have to run through the central part of Australia. How about that? <laughs> there is a really race like that. Is there really? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like, in, in the States in particular, you guys have the most men ultras in the world, that in Europe. And there was a guy recently and he broke. So there's a race called the Badwater 135. And it's like coined the world's toughest uh, foot race. They call it a foot race. And he, he smashed the course record. So he did 135 miles in like 21 hours. And that's running up Mount Whitney too. So that's crazy. And then two months later, he breaks the Guinness World Record running from California to New York. So he's running from one side of the country to the other and he does he breaks it by like five days or something ridiculous so he's running i think he's running 70 miles an average per each day and dude the faster we can get to mars i'll, I'll be the first person to try and run the circumference of mars it's the same <laughs> perimeter as australia so i'm Whoa. like oh there's the, <laughs> now there's no such thing as world records now we've got planetary records baby <laughs> so it kind of when you when you hang around the, the, this breed of people there's no really limits what are limits right Man, that is so true. So now, like, let's talk about like the runner's high and just would yep. you say that that's like the first kind of unlock where people kind of go from from dreading the whole process of running and their body is dreading it and it's like anarchy on a, on a muscular level. Um, and so does that still, uh, you know, apply to you? And then and if so, like, what's the mile mark for you now? Is it does it happen at like mile? 55 or something like when does it kick in um it depends man like it depends what your mind is fixated on so for example if you're in race mode and you're doing a a marathon it's usually like usually the last 30 percent of anything is usually when it kicks in right so i did a six mile we did a quick six mile run this morning like it was like a 4 45 a.m run in winter and usually like that last few k that's when you can really feel it um for me it depends what distance i'm doing so for me, I'm always trying to embrace the shit. So 
you have to, it's kind of like in business or it's kind of like in any sort of project. If you don't embrace even the, the process or like the trajectory to get there, then well, like, what was the point of it? So this is where you learn your lessons through those. And I feel like my mind starts to like adapt to it. I definitely start upping my own bar, but there are still days where you, you don't want to get out of bed and you do this stuff and you, but you realize the good and awesome return you can get out of it in regards to human psyche. Um, you've got this little person in your head, right? And your job is to kind of shut that off. And when you, when you learn to push through that little person in your head in just a regular run or a jog or a race or an event, um, you kind of, you can adopt the same thing into life's adversity when it hits you. There's a very strong correlation there. So I feel like it's an awesome way to handle mentally and it's a good way to, to stay fit and it's a good way to make friends and it's an awesome way to kind of incorporate into your lifestyle so that it, I, I just see it as like a tenfold instantly. I love that. I love that. So I think there are so many great like parallels to just any process, right? That you can you can mm-hmm. go through anything from a business standpoint and you could apply so many of those principles that you're going through mentally and physically. And I just have to ask you, if you're running that far, are you are you listening to headphones? Like are you rocking a podcast while you're going through that that long thing? Or do you need like total silence? You just like to hear your breath? Where where are you at with that? It's funny when you say that, man. I used to be someone that was so like fixated on running with like music. This would have been years ago, um, three or four years ago. And I had to listen to music. It wasn't until like a race I did and it was like pissing down rain. And I'm like, I can't really bring my iPod for this one. And that's when iPods were a thing still. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't until I, I didn't really start running. Like I would actually, when I was listening to like earphones, I was listening to audiobooks and I was listening to podcasts, right? The thing with music, it's so dynamic. So um, the tempo always changes or there might be a song that can remind you of a, of a bad time or you could be in the mood and there's no consistency there. The other thing too, I noticed when I started running with that music, I became so attached to it and I thought, oh, let's well, just, just give this a try without it. You start becoming so much more aware of what's going on around you. And the only other time I really uh, have headphones in is when I'm in the troughs of sorrow, like that that point in a race where there's this very strong mental block and I just need really something to lift me up. Um, I listen to podcasts on walks, right? Like I'm still a big fan of walks, just getting movement in. There's been times where I'm in races doing, uh, so recently I did a 63 miler um, and there was, oh, how much? 14 and a half thousand uh, feet of ascent and descent. And there's got to be about 5,000 set of stairs in the 63 miler. I didn't listen to any music throughout the whole one. So oh my for myself, it was like, just enjoy, like this was talking about before, right? I mean, it's very arbitrary numbers, but if just say there's two and a half percent at the start, two and a half percent at the end. Now you've got 95% in the middle, embrace the most of it. Just enjoy, be grateful for even the times where you're going through these mental blocks because it makes, you realize you're going through the toughest thing you could do that day. It makes the rest of your day easier too. And it teaches you about perspective in regards to what are actually problems. You're like, I just was on my feet for like 18 hours. Um, I can usually do that time quicker, but with that many stairs and that much climb, it was a bit tough, but nothing can really get to me now. So it, it teaches you like, it's kind of like a Navy SEAL mindset. In my opinion, you'd learn to embrace grit and make that habitual because that's the thing with like a lot of first world countries. Um, I've succumbed to it. We, we don't really embrace enough grit. Um, even though we have everything easy accessible. Now, the moment we come across anything that's tough, 
it, it's the worst thing ever. And there are times where even I'm saying this, I'll still go through and I'll stop to think, I'm like, am I really complaining about that? My, my cold showers aren't long enough now, or I'm not getting up early enough, or I'm not, when it's raining, just go for a run or do something to put myself in some sort of discomfort just to help me train in the race of life, I guess to say. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so cool that you talked about the perspective and I, I just can imagine like, it'd be really tough to having gone through such an internal struggle and you're essentially like going to war against that little voice in your head. And so after that, I mean, I'm sure it would be kind of tough to be phased by somebody taking your parking spot at the grocery store or something, right? Oh, totally, dude. Actually, I've got a cool story for you. So um, last year, um, as well as doing like ultra running, it ended up becoming a bit of like ultra endurance, right? There was double marathon. So like 50 miles on a standard paddleboard, just paddling for like 14 hours. And then you've got like 12 hour swims. Um, the one thing I learned, th- this was insane. When we're doing the, tw- um, the double marathon on a standard paddleboard, um, and but like I should know this before. The most I've ever done was six mile on a standard paddleboard. Now I'm doing fifty. Whoa. Um, and yeah, and it taught me so much that one because it was the windiest day ever, dude. It, it ended up feel like I was paddling on a treadmill. That's what I couldn't move. <laughs> so it was it was crazy because there was that much wind. I didn't really know much about standard paddleboard community, but I'd found out like there was a lot of races on that weekend that got cancelled because of the wind. Still managed to still go out. I'm like oh wow, uh, might as well, but. When finishing the race, I had to take the boards back to the house. Dude, some guy cut me off in traffic and I first thought, oh, they're probably just late to see their family. Like you're looking through a whole nother level of perspective because (laughs) you've been in shit all day that you go, I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. Even though you're doing it on purpose because there's purposeful suffering and simulated adversities, like I like to call it, you start going, you don't want anyone else to go through pain. So whatever they're going through, you 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 start to remove this egocentric paradigm. We all go through it because when we go through adversity, we think we have it worse than everyone else. Um, and I'll, I'll admit I'm a victim of that. It's a constant working progress for myself. Um, but yeah, that that's the thing. Like you you start seeing life through a whole new perspective, which is kind of cool, I think, in my opinion, because I never thought I'd ever get to this point where I thought I was a pretty like kind person. Like no, I'm not like trying to talk myself up, but like it's not until <laughs> you can empathetically and compassionately want to be out to help people because you, you understand that there's a lot of people that are struggling out there. Oh my gosh. I mean, people spend thousands and thousands of dollars just to go on vacation for physically a new perspective. I mean, just to be able to see something in person, but I mean, yeah, totally. talk about the return and the windfall when you can like change your perspective on just everyday life. I think that's so huge. And I, I do agree. You have to do something that's transformative and it challenges you down to you to, to the core. So, so now thinking yeah. about like, how did that start for you? Did you go to like a Tony Robbins seminar and you were like, I'm going to start running tomorrow. Like where, where did it start? Did you watch Forrest Gump? And you're like, I'm going to do that. Like what, where, where did it start? <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious if I, if I actually was inspired by, uh, by <laughs> Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> like I wasn't happy with life and I was in a struggling mentally, as I said earlier. And, um, I came to this correlation where my health was really degraded from like all the books I was reading and that, cause I, I got really fascinated on like why I was thinking so negatively. And I got, this is where I became like this. I had like this massive obsession and fascination with learning again and, and, and psychology, like why we do the things we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I thought, 
there was this correlation between health and sport. And I thought I need to just take up a sport because I'm going to be, it's going to be, have me around the right people. But the problem was I sucked at sport at school and especially team sports where it involves like a ball and hand-eye coordination. Uh I I love team, team sports and that, but anything involved a ball where I have to catch stuff, it's probably not my greatest strength or kick stuff. So I thought I'm just going to take up running and, it's true. Like if you want to put a goal and you really want to make it transformative, do something that's absolutely going to terrify the hell out of you. And I thought, why don't I just train for a marathon? Like that seems so absurd and stupid at the time. And it it taught me so much where you just, as soon as you pay for something, there's a very strong chance you're going to do it because you don't want that loss aversion where you wasted all of the time and energy and money that you put into it. So there's like a guilt, Yeah. but it's like a motivator at the same time. I, I finally learned the power of training for something as opposed to working out for the sake of it. Mm. Um, for example, when people go into get fit again, just say they went in a slump or they want to go to the gym for the first time and their goal is, I just want to get fit. It's, it's a pretty broad goal. So you're probably not going to get it. But if you're specific and you're like, oh, I want to lose 10 kilos or I want to um, be able to do eight pull-ups, whatever it may be. Or it's like going into business and saying, I want to go into business to get rich. Well, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, so for myself, it's like I want to train and complete a marathon. And then from there, I started to become the happiest. No, not the happiest yet. I was becoming the fittest I've ever been and the healthiest. The happiness started to get better and better because the overall gratitude that I was able to do when I was doing the charity stuff um, and just being involved with the community and just trying to put as much of my heart into everything. That's when I was starting to get really happy. And that all came from adversity, right? And then once it like felt natural, then it was time to get curious of what was possible. So I started reading a lot of books. There was this one book. Um, it's called a book called Born to Run. Amazing book. And it talks about like these Tarahumara Indians that can run like hundreds of miles at a time. And then from there, I'm curious with some of the races they mentioned. And then from there, it's like, oh, people can run for hundreds of Ks and hundreds of miles. Mm. Um, I wonder what it feels like to hit triple digits. And dude, it's, it's a pretty epic feeling. It takes a lot to get there, but I bet. Um, like it takes a, like a lot of mental, you use so much mental glycogen because you're constantly in your head the whole time. And on average, like a human being will go through roughly about three to five bursts of mental glycogen. And that's when you're going to have like utmost focus and if you're constantly like on Facebook scrolling, you're using mental glycogen without even realizing. Hmm. Um, and you're in that autonomy. And that's how you get into pattern with that. And for me, I like to try and not watch as much of the news. I don't care what's going on in the world in regards to that because I'd rather use it to... Usually the news is negative. So yeah, anything that's going to be positive, I'd rather be around that. But when you're in a race, sometimes I'm more mentally spaced out for a few days as opposed to physically. There's well, been days where I'm... I'm back on my legs within two days. It's like, this is so crazy how resilient human bodies are. Uh, I probably got youth on my side, but it, it came out of curiosity and fascination what humans are able to do to sit after doing a marathon and then sticking with a few halves and then getting inspired by people that, especially the people that weren't really runners to begin with. They're the stories I love the most. It's kind of like the race of riches. Like they didn't never came from a rich background or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just showing, you know what? And it, the other thing too, what really helped it's, not comparing myself to anyone else. I'm like, I'm in this, my own journey. I'm here to help people in that. But the moment I, I start going, Oh, I want to be like, how come I'm not at their level yet? We started at the same time, but we, they're a lot quicker than me or anything like that. That's just going to become a cancer. 
Yeah. Because like they have different bodies, they they think differently. Sometimes they're doing it for different purposes. Um, the circumstances were just different from the start. So I think just trying to be the best myself and just being constantly curious is a trait I think we should always grow to have. I feel like that should be a subject at school. Teach your kid how to be grateful. Teach your kid how to be curious. Teach your kid like character traits that we're going to need in life. And especially things that we actually will need, like um, taxes and whatever like that. But <laughs> being curious is is so powerful, man, because I think you're just going to naturally gravitate towards the right people and you're in this constant learning stage. It doesn't matter what age you are. You should always be a student. And it, I think that's kind of inspiring for anyone that wants to be a name of themselves too, because I think to get there, you need to have a massive learning kind of characteristic about you. Yeah, absolutely. So that when you decided and you, you made that shift and you said, I'm going to do this, did you have a coach? Did you sign up for like a program? Like what was the early entry point for you? When I decided to do the marathon, I had this epiphany, right? But it was on the way to St. Paddy's. <laughs> and usually alcohol can influence us. And this was before I started drinking on that day. And it wasn't until the next morning. This was years ago, right? It wasn't until the next morning I thought, I've got to do the marathon. I've really got to do it. Like, what if? I'm going to start regretting if I don't bloody do it. So all I did was I Googled, how long does it take for a marathon for the first time? Like, what's the, what's the good amount of time? And it said about 16 weeks. And then I typed in Gold Coast, which is the town I'm from, and Marathon. And there's a marathon called the Gold Coast Marathon, and it's like one of the biggest in Australia. And I Googled it, and it said about 17 weeks away. And I thought, I could do this, if even if I start now. And then I just Googled Marathon First Training Plan. So I pretty much self-taught myself. Dude, uh, speaking of Tony Robbins, in his book, Unwaking the Giant, uh -huh. he said in the book, you can make any decision in life, anything, but you just got to be 100% committed. And that's what I said. I'm, like, oh, I'm going to be committed to this thing. I better make sure if I can do it. And over the years, I've managed to get coaches and that, whether it's strength coaches and it just in coach, it just taught me you need mentors in life um, with anything, right? And the mentors range from like in-person mentors to virtual mentors like books. There's a lot of wisdom with the 130 million, roughly 130 million books published. There's a lot of wisdom in there going back from like Marcus Aurelius from a couple thousand years ago yeah. to one of the biggest thought leaders in the world today. So for myself, it was just getting curious around like the resources I had around me. Some, sometimes mentors charge a shitload of money and it's like, I can't afford that. Well, I've just got to make the most of it, right? So it was over the years, I've, I've learned that mentors are incredibly imperative for any sort of growth because you can make any, it's okay to make mistakes, but they don't have to be yours. So that's why it's good to learn from people so you can simulate what they've done. And it might not happen straight away for you because it worked for them, but at least it adds to your artillery when you can tr truly trial and test it and that information becomes knowledge and then wisdom later on to anyone else. So you're essentially standing on the shoulders of giants. You're not essentially copying because you're doing something with your own flair. But I first started because I, I just it just felt like a calling to really take this on. And then what really made it purposeful was tying it in with certain charity work because now it felt like for a cause greater than myself. It's not 100% altruistic because I need to, there is that personal level that I want to see how far I can push myself because it's so absurd. That's novelty, right? And humans either, we, we respond to pattern recognition, but we also respond to novelty. And that's why like the stuff that Elon Musk does, we all, it catches our attention because no one else is really doing what he's doing. <laughs> so for myself, with what I was doing, it was easy to get the attention of people. And especially if you can make an emotional connection. So to fundraise for funds and awareness. Yeah, that's that's essentially what I've done um, over the last couple of years. 
Yeah, that is that's awesome. I saw that on your website, and I thought that was such a great you know tie into. Uh, an interest that you already had. I know we just uh, created a global partnership with the Alzheimer's Association. And so, uh, yeah, and it's been really cool to see how that group kind of connects with, you know, Arthur Murray Dance Studios around the world. And I can totally empathize with that, that feeling of, you know, just to feel like you're doing something that you already love, but at the same time, you're doing something that for a, for a bigger calling. So I got to ask you, Mm -hmm. um, what was the point where you, started to consider yourself a runner like was it the first marathon you finished it and you're like imposter syndrome you left it on mile 12 how many races did you go into before you really started to like consider yourself and kind of give yourself that label you know it wasn't the label of being a runner it was the label of being an athlete for me like an athlete was someone that was an elite athlete right that's what i thought an athlete was like someone like when you think athletics with like Olympics, it's like they're at the top of the game. So for me, like saying I was a runner was totally fine, but there was imposter syndrome, I'll admit, in regards to saying I'm an athlete. But I look at it now and I take a step back. Essentially, anyone that's active is essentially an athlete just in their own game. And there's no rule to say what kind of athlete you are. If you're relatively active and you can try and inspire people, I, I don't really follow the titles or labels or whatever. I think... um that kind of becomes a little bit detrimental and it can kind of become like a cancer as well, because then you start overthinking and overanalyzing things as well. But saying I was a runner, like, cause I was running like five, six times a week at one point when people knew me, there was an association like, Oh, he's the runner guy <laughs> or the ultra running guy, or he's the endurance dude. Or, but at the same time, I didn't really care what other people thought, but it, for me, it was, can this really impact people? That was really what was truly on my mind, making sure I'm doing something true to my heart. That's so cool. And I, I love that you've got a rationale that goes beyond just the results or the just the distance, but it's about a feeling that you want. And I think, you know, in our dance schools, we have students that will go and they'll compete and sometimes they can get kind of caught up in that comparison game. They can get caught up in the results game where they didn't get a result that they they were expecting. So talk about a, a little bit about that and what's something maybe from running that you feel like would be a really good lesson when it comes to just not worrying so much about the result. That is a very good question. For myself, I think one thing I can really tie that in with is like no expectations for, for myself. Like I, I've... I've said to myself now, like I used to put a lot of time constraints on myself. Like I got to be done in this time or whatever, instead of just enjoying it. And it's like in life, you know, not everything goes to plan. Most of the time it doesn't. So it's being adaptable with that stuff. And it's like in running, there are times where you need to really know how to pivot because you, you start to feel tingles in your legs or you, you go, oh, is this injury? Like, is this about to come about? Or there are times where the mental block will come in like, oh, I don't know if I can run, I might just walk. So I think it's about being adaptable. That's what running's really taught me as well. Like no expectations. I'm still massively learning about this stuff at the same time, as much as I'm talking about it. I'll, I'll admit it's not something I have down, super down pat. The running part has just taught me to be adaptable. That That's essentially like, that's the, that's one of the big, big lessons it's really taught me. That's so cool. So uh, now I got to ask you, let's say you're going back to your high school reunion. Um, what would be, you know, and have you gone? And then the second part to that is what do you want people to notice about you or what have they noticed about you if you've had one? 
It's actually in a couple months. Um, <laughs> oh, cool. But I don't know if I'll be there, if I'll be able to make it. Part of me, like, really doesn't care to see, because I'm not here to compare myself with other people, right? Sure. Um, to see, this is where I'm at now. Like, I'm, I'm not here for that. Um, it's cool to, like, rekindle friendships I haven't seen in ages and see see how people are doing since school. But, like, it, do, it doesn't really bother me to say, like, I'm this, I've done all this stuff. It I'm I'm trying to be the best version of myself. Here's the thing though, is like your your mental game right now is the total unlock. Like where everybody is is so jammed up at a reunion is that same comparison game. And because that's like not even a thing to you, you would you would rule that place. That would be cool just to flex those mental superpowers. Yeah, if anything, I'd probably be more curious on what everyone else is doing to see if there was any challenges with what I can help them with. Right. It's yeah. if there's anything where someone's struggling and they need a hand, like if I was, I'd be so super curious about what they got going on then in their lives and what their ambitions and aspirations are to come and what they're looking at willing to do for the next stages, so on and so forth. But I'm more focused on how do I just be the best version of myself? That's it. Yeah, that's good, man. Okay, so let's talk about like just the applications now when you've had a chance to do some consulting and speaking and things like that. Um, what yep. are some of the like the common things, like maybe breakthroughs that you've made with businesses? Anything that really stands out as a highlight to you, where you feel like you've made a correlation that's been really beneficial? Yeah, um, the main one is everyone is essentially just human being. So I used to have like this weird tendency not to like look at even like corporates or what what the hell's an entrepreneur like years years ago and i had no idea what they're doing but the thing is that they might have this strong purpose and they, they really want to make impact but sometimes they forget about themselves so their mental health as well so being that person to help them stay on track it's it's a bit of a blessing that i can be in this field to do this so it's essentially making them stronger making sure they really look after themselves really build that resilience so if there were anything that's going to happen, like life-threatening or whatever, then at least they know they, they have a, an artillery to kind of hold them, this mental artillery. That's intangible, right? But you learn these things over time and a lot of a lot of discipline. And one thing I've learned, when you, when you start to lose your resilience and you're in the troughs of sorrow, and you can hide depression, right? You can, you can see someone smiling, but are they really happy? When you hit that depression, that state of worthlessness or that just anxiety is just going through your body like crazy, um, there's a disconnect somewhere and humans are wired for connection, right? It's so innate in us. It's, it's very tribal. And like my job there is to bridge the gap so that the connection can come back, the connection with who they are as people and show that they are worth everything. And you may come across that loss of job or there's going to be that death in the family. Those are unfortunately things that are just inevitable that we have to deal with, especially in, in work life, like shit hits the fan all the time, especially for myself, like um, on this entrepreneurial journey too. That's probably the biggest thing it's taught me as well. What is it called? The four universal psychological needs um, from like a self-deterministic theory, right? You need relatableness, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And sometimes an entrepreneurial autonomy is the one that kind of lacks because you, your resources are so, you got to be quite frugal at the start. But And I feel like you, you, you're truly doing what you're doing when you can impact others make a living out of it and not know what day it is. Mm. Um, that's to me, that's the best thing ever, man. I love it. I love it, man. I could, we could talk for three hours. We could make this a six part mini series, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really great to chat with you, my man. I think that, uh, 
that it's so cool to see these correlations and, you know, to be a part of something for us, like, you know, if people walking in to take a dance lesson is like their transformation. It's like that huge mm -hmm. step. And there's so many cool, like connecting points. Um, and I love that, that there's just that mind over matter and, and to be able to conquer that inner voice. And I love what you said about just not being so caught up in, in what the other people are doing. And, and, uh, and I just think that it's, it's cool. And the fact that you're doing something on top of that for all these wonderful charities. And if we could just do one thing that you've listed, I think that everybody would probably have a better day tomorrow. So I appreciate that. Dude. Thank you so much. Mark Twain famously said that the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you figure out why. Sometimes you recognize your purpose and you make strategic moves to reach that goal. Other times it's a series of random occurrences that turn the dials of discovery that help you find your passion. I think in Toph's case, he ran miles and miles to reach that same conclusion. And I want to thank him for sharing his discovery and his story on Off the Floor. 